This message was presented at the GYC 2014 conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. And so I want to give a quick synopsis of what uh, we talked about uh, quickly, and then we'll have another word of prayer and we'll get into it. Um, So in short, our seminar uh, just a bit ago was called The Hyperlinked Life. And we looked at how we're living in a world that we are connected, it seems like, at every waking moment with technology and our smartphones. We interact all the time with social media, with apps, with the internet. Uh, We're Googling everything. And... um, Technology definitely is not going anywhere. We looked at a lot of statistics where uh, young people, millennials, um, you know, uh, use these phones almost constantly. And in fact, you remember the term that we uh, talked about, nomophobia, nomophobia, which is basically the fear of being away from your cell phone. It's an actual term, right? Um, and uh, uh, this is what uh, college students, you know, are, are, are facing. We looked at a statistic that said that two-thirds of college students would rather choose an internet connection than a car um, and would rather have Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi than actually uh, drive somewhere. Um, and the problem with technology is not that we use it for good things, obviously, because there are so many positive things that we use technology for. It's amazing that you know, on this one device we talked about last time, how I have my bank, I have, you know, my calendar, I have a map, I have a video camera, I have a camera, I have a dictionary, I have a Bible, I have a flash, and it keeps on going. It's amazing what's packed in this thing, and God can use this for the gospel. There's so many powerful things that technology can do that um, can't do elsewhere. I'm going to call out, because I see uh, Danny and Sandra Houghton here. They work for a company called One Degree Organics. Um, and it's an awesome uh, company where every single ingredient has a story with a little video attached to it. Um, and that's using technology. You guys would not be able to use and do what you guys do today without technology. So there's a lot of positive things. Living in 2015, there's things that we could not do before with this, with the Internet, that now we can do. And yet at the same time, we're caught in the middle. We know that there's these good things, but we see some unhealthy things. We see that we can't go anywhere without our smartphones. We're constantly connected. It's in with arm's reach 24-7. I was sharing last time that recently I was driving in my car. I had left my phone somewhere. It was, it was not charged. I couldn't charge it. And I felt anxious. I felt worried. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm constantly talking to someone on the phone. I'm listening to a sermon. I'm always doing, doing, doing especially with this, and when it's not there, there's an anxiety and a worry. And also, we talked about how it can affect relationships. We've all been in a restaurant before, or we've been in a group of people, and all of the family is what? Looking at their screen. They're on their phone. And so it's causing this disconnect where, man, are we really connecting heart to heart with people? I've noticed in my, um, just in, in, in my circle and among different people, uh, that uh, often young people um, are having a harder time um, just dealing with um, uh, conflict. Uh, if there's a conflict with a person, uh, they don't want to actually go and talk to them one-on-one, so it's easier to 
text them or, or it's easier just to be distracted. And these things that are happening because of technology. We also talked about how another negative side effect is our time and productivity. This is supposed to help us become more productive, but in all reality, it might be causing us to become less productive. And we looked at a statistic that said, you know, um, that it's almost, you know, half on half, that some people feel like it's helping them become more productive, about 50%, 50% helping them not become productive. So we're caught in this middle ground, where, oh, like, yes, I use all these tools for it, but at the same time, you know, it's like I'm constantly checking it and I get distracted and we end up looking at articles online or social media for hours. Um, and so what we're going to be talking about in this seminar is the more practical aspect uh, called Unplugged, looking at how do we become good stewards of technology? How as Seventh-day Adventists do we not get caught up into just the uh, everyday life, hyperlinked life of being constantly connected to our smartphones and technology? How do we step away from it? Um, and so, so we're going to be looking at in the next uh, uh, 50 minutes, and so why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, I want to thank you so much for this time that we have together as a group, as your people, to talk, to discuss, to think about something that we live with, something that is a part of our life. And God, we desire everything that we do and say to be for your honor and glory. God, we want to give you our all, and we want to Pray that your Holy Spirit would just be with us as we talk. And thank you for guiding this time. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. You know, I think at the, the heart of what we all want is we, when it comes to technologies, we, we want to be able to manage and be in control of what we do and not have those things that we use be in control of us. We, we, we want to be able to manage technology. We don't want technology to manage us. And it seems like sometimes we're so busy, so much is going on, that this actually does control us. And so how do we become good stewards? You know, we mentioned this last time, but in Christianity we talk a lot about the three T's. Stewardship is a popular, common theme in Christianity and Seventh-day Adventism, an important theme. Uh, you know, we think of Psalm 24.1. We'll be looking at that verse. It says, The earth is the Lord, the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. So God has asked us to manage it. And so we talk about stewardship, managing. We talk about talent. Matthew 25. We all have spiritual gifts and talents, and God wants us to use that for his honor and glory. We talk about treasure, money. All right? uh, God wants us to use our money for him. God wants us to use, um, I use talent there, uh, twice. That should say time. Forgive me. Um, talent, treasure, and talent. Three things. That doesn't make sense. All right. Talent, treasure, and time. That last one should be time. Um, uh, another thing that we need to be good stewards of, our time. God has given us 24 hours in a day, and we need to use it wisely. And as we look at that list, as we look at 2015, something that I think needs to be added to that list, a fourth T that I think as Christians and as Seventh-day Adventists that we need to be talking about is technology. We need to have that be a part of our conversations on stewardship and management because in 2015 we live in a world where technology 
is everywhere. We mentioned that last seminar, that our cars and our homes and everything has a computer chip. I have a friend who has a refrigerator that can play Pandora, all right? Uh, it has a touch screen, all right, on the screen door. It can connect to the Wi-Fi, um, and you can listen to Pandora as you're making your souffle, right? Uh, pretty cool, right? Um, technology everywhere. It's, it's, not, it's not going anywhere. We use it. They're awesome tools. And so how do we manage it well? How do we become good stewards? And so what we're going to look at is uh, seven, biblical number, all right, uh, seven different ways that I believe that we can become good stewards of technology, that we can use uh, wisely technology, that we can use it with effectiveness and with purpose. Um, and goes hand in hand with what we talked about last time. And um, let's go ahead and, and start with this first one. The first thing I think that is important, if you struggle with or, or, or you see people around you struggling with, maybe uh, you're a young person at home, maybe uh, um, you know, just yourself in college, um, but you see, you know what, I really am constantly on my phone. I need to do something about it. The first thing that I would recommend is creating intentional space for conversation. And what I mean by that is this. I was listening to a TED Talk. Um, praise the Lord for TED Talks, anyone? Um, and uh, the uh, presenter's name was Sherry Turkle. And Sherry Turkle is a professor at MIT. And she specifically looks at the relationship between um, society and technology, between people and technology, and how those are interacting with each other. Um, and it's funny because 15 years ago, she wrote a book about how you know, technology is going to be the best thing in the world, and she's so excited about it. And then in this TED Talk, 15 years later, she's looking back at what she wrote, and she's realizing that the implications of technology, what's happening, are causing some concerns that she hadn't thought about and processed before. And she gave the example of, uh, and she had a picture up of her two, uh, I think three daughters, um, and, or maybe, no, I take it back, it was a daughter and two friends. So a daughter invited two of her friends to hang out at their house. Hey, come on over to the house, we'll spend time together. All right, great. And so, you know, her mom's making them supper or something, and they're in the living room, and these friends are hanging out, and guess what they're doing? On the couch, and they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, on social media. Um, and that caused her to take a step back and say, wait a second, why is this doing this? What, what, what about this is, is, is causing this? And, and, and in her own house, what she had to do was create intentional space for conversation. And what I mean by that is, she said in her house, the living room and the kitchen are non-phone zones, right? Non-phone zones. Um, these are areas where family members can't be on their phone, right? When we sit at the dinner table, no one can be on their, there has to be rules that uh, I think individuals need to set for themselves um, uh, for, for technology. And it may not be a specific place. You know, maybe if you're in college and you're thinking about your dorm room, you know, obviously you can't say, well, in my dorm room, no technology, because we use it all the time. But maybe you can say intentional space or create intentional time for conversation. Uh, um, say that, you know what, come 9 p.m., all right, from, you know, a 9 p.m. I'm not going to use my phone, all right? Um, I'm putting it away 
and I am going to, I'm going to turn it off come a certain time in the evening. Maybe, maybe once the sun goes down. You say, you know what, in the evening, I get distracted. I spend lots of time on it, and come supper time, forget, forget uh, the, the phone the rest of the night. It may not be possible, obviously, but I believe that we need to create intentional space for conversation. And we're going to be looking at passages with each of these, and let's go ahead and turn to Revelation 22.4. We mentioned this verse last time, but for those that were not here, Revelation 22.4 Yes, it's okay to take out your phone. We're talking about technology. I'll let you use it. Revelation uh, 22.4. You know, it's funny. Um, as a, I'm a youth pastor, Fallbrooks and Damage Church, and, and um, a couple of my youth are here, uh, Caitlin and Sierra. Um, and uh, I don't know if I've done this in front of you guys, uh, Caitlin and Sierra, but I've had a contest before where uh, someone has had their phone, and I've had my Bible or vice versa, and say, all right, from the moment the phone is is uh, not on, all right, to look up the Bible verse. Let's see who can win. And every single time, the Bible wins, right? Because by the time you turn it on and get your password going, or even if your phone's already on, by the time you click on the app and you find it, it takes a little bit. So uh, I'm a fan of using uh, Scripture. Um, Revelation 22.4 says this. Revelation 22.4 says, They shall see his what? His face. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. I love how profound that one phrase is. They shall see God's face. None of us here have seen God's face. Can you imagine that moment when we get to heaven and we are going to be able to see his face close up? Wow. You imagine this is the God that we've had faith, and this is the God we believed in, and this is the God that we've known is there, and we actually get to be talking to him. And throughout eternity, I know that God is going to have a chance to sit down one-on-one with each one of us. Isn't that going to be an awesome thing? When we get to have that one-on-one conversation with God and spend hours talking, there's something about human interaction. Because even though I'm talking about God, face-to-face time with God, God made us in his image. And I believe that just as we cannot wait until we have that face time with God, I believe that God has also given us that time, that face time with each other, and technology brings that apart. And we need that time where we're looking into each other's eyeballs. There's a power there, I believe, a deepness that we can look in and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, And that's why I think that we need to create intentional space for conversation. Notice uh, uh, Jesse Carey in Relevant Magazine said this, beyond anything, talking about technology, it has made us forget how to actually be present. The digital revolution has empowered constant distraction that allows us to forget about what we're doing at the moment and instead see images of what we have to do, look at things, what other people are doing, and plan what we're going to do next. And so it causes this disconnect, allows us to not be present. So we need to set intentional space and time for conversation. Second thing I think that is, can be important, um, if this is something that you wrestle with, uh, which I believe all of us do, is, is set time limits. Set time limits. And uh, what I mean by that is tell yourself, all right, if... I'm going to check, let's say, Facebook, 
for example, um, then I'm going to, um, and this is something um, that I know uh, medical students, my brother who's in med school at La Melinda has shared is valuable to him, um, saying, you know, I'm going to check my emails, and for me it's more emails than Facebook, um, um, Facebook as well, uh, or Twitter, whatever it is, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that work for a certain amount of time, saying, you know what, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. I'm going to do that and then I'm gonna carry on the rest of my day. Um, and the reason why I think it's important to set those time limits and, and specifically when you're going to be uh, on the screen, so to speak, is because, especially, man, for young people, and some of you perhaps maybe don't wrestle with this at all, but for those that do, it can become addicting. You're there. And suddenly, you go from, you know, a Facebook or Twitter to, you know, uh, watching those endless amount of, two and a half, three minute YouTube videos that are always there, you know. Um, it's amazing how many uh, there, there actually are um, that uh, you can watch and, you know, everyone's posting a blog or a video and, and you get caught up in it and it just, it goes and goes and goes. So it's important, I think, to set time limits and tell yourself, all right, I'm going to spend this amount of time and I'm going to work on what I need to um, for, you know, X amount of minutes. Um, I want to look at uh, of this scripture here in Luke 14, 28. Um, let's go ahead and turn there, Luke 14, 28. So I believe that each of these, at the end of the day, are scripture principles that at the heart of these uh, seven simple ideas are also ideas from scripture. Luke chapter 14 and verse 28. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. And it says this, for which of you intending to build a tower? So, starts out saying, all right, there's this person and he intends to build a tower. He says, I'm going to go and I'm going to build this building. All right, that'd be great if we all had just those skills and resources. I'm going to go build a building, all right? So this guy, I'm going to go build a tower, but notice what he has to do first. Verse 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and do what? count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Stewardship. Looking at your resources and saying, is there enough there? Do I have enough manpower? What effect is this going to have on me? Being a reflective person. That's something that uh, um, God has, has taught me over the years is in the evening, uh, be, be reflective. Think back at your day. What you talked about, what you did, who you talked to, what you said, and say, God, is there anything I could do better? And I believe that with technology, this um, idea of, of counting the cost is setting a time and looking at technology and saying, all right, um, how much does this affect me, and what am I going to do about it? Uh, because we need to be honest with each other, especially those that, that struggle, young people, if you're constantly honest, take a step back and say, God, how much am I using this, and, and what can I do to uh, to help that. And setting a time limit, taking that device away for a certain amount of time, I think can be helpful. I thought this was interesting. We uh, all recognize this individual. Who's this person? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, um, who's now passed away. There's a journalist that went to Steve Jobs' home. Went to his home to visit him there in his home. And notice what he says. He says, I'm sure I responded with a gasp and dumbfounded silence. I had imagined the Jobs 
household was like a nerd's paradise, that the walls were giant touchscreens, that the dining table was made from tiles of iPads, and that iPods were handed out to guests like chocolates on a pillow. No, Mr. Jobs told me, not even close. What did Mr. Jobs tell him? Well, as he goes to his home, he's expecting his kids, you know, to have all of these iPods and iPads and be on technology, and they're using them to change the world. But Mr. Jobs, in the parenting of his children, just said this simple thing. He says, we limit how much technology our kids use at home, Jobs expressed in 2010, expressing concerns about his children's gadget use. Uh, basically, what this journalist found out is that Jobs doesn't use, let his kids use technology all the time. He sets a limit. Well, you can only use it for this amount of time. And when he, this journalist said that he ate uh, dinner with this family. We went to the dinner. You know, these kids were res- uh, responsive. They were engaging, able to communicate. Um, and this is from the guy who made the thing. You know, this is the guy who, who made the iPhone who made this technology, and he recognizes there's a danger in how much it's used. Uh, There's another quote I don't hear on the screen from um, another, I forgot exactly who it was, but it was another president or CEO of a big technological company who uh, shared a similar statement that in his uh, parenting style with his kids, he limits the amount of technology they use. And you think to yourself, why? I mean, mean, these people invent these things. But in his concern and desire for his young person, he realized, you know what? There's a danger here. There's something that is going to distract them and take them away, and I want to prevent that. And so these people set time limits. And I think if the inventors of these things set time limits, we should too. And we need to be careful in how much we're using them. Uh, Number three, um, have someone keep you accountable. Um, Praise God for friends, right? Praise God for spouses. I just got married four months ago. Um, I forgot to wish you our four-month anniversary was yesterday, honey. So, yeah, I know. December 31. We got married August 31, 2014 in uh, uh, Orchards, Washington. Um, And something that I've appreciated about my wife, I talked about this last time, is the fact that when it comes to technology, she's just not on it as much as I am. I'm constantly on it. Um, and, and for her, hey, forget Twitter, forget Facebook, forget Instagram. You know, like, I don't need those things, which I love that about, uh, about my wife. And for me, it's been helpful for her to keep me accountable. Um, and, and you know what that means also is also right now, guess who has my Facebook password? My wife does. I'm serious, all right? Um, because uh, th- there were times that, you know what? I don't need this, and I'm going to let her have it, you know? Um, and that sounds silly. It's like, hey, you're a grown man. But you know what? I'm not ashamed of admitting that, that I can have someone help me c- keep me accountable, right? Um, and I think that we all can have uh, friends and family and, and parents um, that help us keep each other accountable, um, and, and I want to look at a scripture here, Proverbs 17, 17. Um, so let's, let's turn in Proverbs 17, 17.
Love this verse. Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for what? Adversity. Hmm. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends are there for you. They love you at all times. That's a good friend, a definition of a good friend. They love you all the time. Right? A, a brother, a, a, a close friend is there for adversity. During those hard times when you need people, um, so if you struggle with this, if this is something that, you know, man, you know what, I'm constantly on this, I'm constantly reaching for it, well, at the end of the day, you're going to have to have someone to help you because we are all powerless on our own. We, we can't, in and of ourselves, conjure up enough self-will and self-control to uh, conquer temptation, right? Uh, man, we need God's help, amen, and we'll be talking about that. But we also need people's help, um, and we can use those around us to help us uh, keep accountable. Uh, number four, um, practical thing, um, and, and uh, in all seriousness, if, if, if this is something, because I, I know, just from uh, talking to young people at my church, seeing uh, just different habits of, of uh, my friends, that sometimes if social media or your smartphone or the internet or your computer if it's causing so much strife and you realize, you know, I'm constantly escaping to this. Every waking moment I'm going to it. You know, even if it's for a season or, or for a period of time, but get rid of it, all right? Um, uh, delete your Instagram account. You know, delete your Facebook account. Um, and you think, well, you know, I want to try to, you know, man up and, and really conquer this and I want to try to be able to manage it. Well, if you struggle with it, there's no shame in getting rid of it. You know, if... if uh, if you uh, really wrestle young people with, you're on your computer all the time, you're on the internet all the time, um, hey, get rid of it. You know, give it to your mom. Or, or uh, there's apps out there. Called, there's one called self-control. I don't know if you've heard of that one. But um, you can download it on your computer, um, and it can give you certain websites that you cannot get on for a certain amount of time. So let's say Facebook. You know, you type Facebook in self-control, and... You can set the amount of time that it'll, um, it'll be, let's say, for 24 hours. I don't want to get on it. Well, you can delete self-control. You still can't get on Facebook. Like, it messes with your computer code, but then at the end of the 24 hours, you can use it again. Um, and so uh, if you need to do that, do it, um, whatever, whatever it takes. Um, but uh, I, I shouldn't say it messes with your computer program, but um, it, it does do something there. Um, and uh, that may be, that may be uh, necessary. Um, let's go to uh, Ezekiel 18.31. Ezekiel And I want to specifically uh, read this from uh, a different version. Um, this is the ERV, which is the um, English reader's version. And this is what it says. Or you can follow along in your Bible. But, but this version, I liked how it said, it said, uh, Throw away all the terrible idols with which you committed your crimes. 
Change your heart and spirit. People of Israel, why should you do the things that will cost you your what? Your life. And let me read that again. It says, throw away all the terrible idols with which you've committed your crimes. Change your heart and spirit. People of Israel, why should you do the things that will cost you your life? Wow. And I know that there, there are some people here that are on technology so much. Um, and it's going to be important for you. Do you know what? Step away and say, is this, is this getting in the way of my salvation? Am I so attached to this that I'm disengaging with the world? Uh, I'm disengaging with God. I no longer have um, you know, a relationship with Him. Um, and you know, ask yourself that question. Say, God, is this causing problems between me and you? Because why would we do something that would cost us our life? Why would we do something that will cost us eternity? Because those decisions start small in that time. Well, I'm just going to spend a little time and it becomes more and more. And I believe that God is wanting us to engage with the world, engage with our family, and more importantly, spend time engaging uh, with Him. Um, we read another quote from this author um, earlier, but this is a different one. Uh, this is an article she wrote in the Washington Times. And she's talking about um, her kids, talking about parenting, how to manage in a world of screen time, you know, and, and, and her frustrations with that. Notice what she says. She says, the question of managing screen time and who is on what screen and how to protect those in front of the screens from the things they may not unsee or unhear is a constant, exhausting issue that frankly makes me want to go full-on Amish on all of them and throw every last screen away. You can tell her frustration from that. She says, you know what? Sometimes with my kids, I just want to take that iPod and throw it into the wall, you know, or that, uh, that iPhone or that iPad. I want to get rid of it. And that's fascinating. Why? I mean, why would you say that? Because she realizes that her young people are so caught up in it that they're missing out on life. She realizes that there's these kids that are so dear to her that are so engrossed in this thing in front of them that they're missing out on life. They're missing out on going outside and playing. And again, I'm not saying, we talked about this last time, I'm not saying Technology is evil. Of course not. It's, it's not good or bad. Those four T's that we've talked about, talent, treasure, time, technology, in and of themselves, they're, not, they're, they're just tools. They're just things that, that are part of our life, but we have to manage them well as Christians, as Seventh-day Adventists. And so if these things are consuming us, we need to step away and say, God, I don't want this to get in the way of, of me and you. Number five. Number five. This one's uh, an important one to me. I've, I have found um, that on Sabbath, I'm specifically talking about uh, um, the seventh day. Um, and I say that because there are a number of articles um, written by the Barna Group. Um, and they wrote articles, and it's interesting because... Um, I read a book called Barna Frames, um, and one of these frames was on technology which, uh, at the beginning of last year, which got me thinking about all, all, all of, of this. And um, they, they used the term, like we, we, as they were looking at technology, how it's affecting us, they said, you know what, as humanity, 
We need to take a Sabbath from technology. We need to take a rest from technology. We, we need to take a 24 hours apart from technology. Like, wow, people are realizing there's value in the Sabbath. And here I'm specifically talking about on Saturday, Friday night, sundown, a Saturday night, sundown, I really think it's important to step away from technology. You know, and we act, well, there's, there's nothing wrong with on our phone on Sabbath afternoon, looking on Instagram. It's not a big deal, you know, looking on Facebook. We're, we're, we're posting spiritual things, you know. I posted an E.G. White quote on Facebook, like, praise God, you know. Hey, that's awesome. But I, but I think it's important on Sabbath, I found for me, you can evaluate this, you can pray about this, but to have no email, no social media, no technology. Yes, I still carry my phone with me. I have to call people. Yes, I may, for outreach, be looking up the address of a park that I have to go to. Or, you know, obviously we have to use it, but, but I really think that email and social media, that, that, we, that we need to uh, stay away from those on the Sabbath. And the reason why is because God wants to connect with us on the Sabbath. Uh, turn with me to uh, Exodus 20, verse 8. Exodus 20, verse 8. You know, the Sabbath is something that, that I absolutely love, I'm passionate about. Um, uh, a f- author of, uh, just a, I should say a favorite author, his name's Abraham Heskel, and he is a, a Jewish rabbi, philosopher, and um, he has this quote, he talks a lot about the Sabbath, and he has this quote where he calls the Sabbath a palace in time. A palace in time. And his idea as he writes about the Sabbath is the Sabbath is, is this, this entity, this idea that come Friday night, as we walk into the Sabbath, that we're walking into this palace with God. And God is there and we get to spend time with the king of the universe. Imagine if you got to walk in this beautiful, gorgeous palace you walk in these big double doors. You open the doors, and in front of you, obviously, is royalty. And you think to yourself, isn't there supposed to be a servant? Why is the king here? The king is there. They greet you by the name and say, hey, Jeff. Hey, John. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Dane. Hey, Nikel. Those are the only names I know. Sorry. Hey, Brian. Um, um, hey, I'm so glad that you are here. And you realize that you're talking to Jesus himself. And he says, hey, guess what? You and I get to hang out in the palace all day. You, got, you and I get to go out in the fields. You and I get to spend time together, just me and you. The Sabbath is a palace in time. And if it is that case, if the Sabbath is a date with God, if the Sabbath is time in God's presence, then just as if, if I was on a date with my wife, you can imagine if we were on a, date and we're at a restaurant and she's sitting there in the booth and I'm sitting in the booth and the entire time I'm like this on my phone and I don't talk with her. Would that be frustrating, oh sweetheart? Yes, all right, of course. She wants to engage with me. She wants to talk with me. And so the Sabbath, if there's things that, that get in that way of that dialogue with God, let's not do it. Hey, let, let's put aside social media and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and email and surfing the, Let's put that aside. And maybe for some of you that's, that's obvious. Hey, I already do that. Praise God. But I know there's a lot that, that's not obvious. And it's just something, well, it's not, a, it's not a big deal. The Sabbath is a day of rest. I get to hang out. It's my day to relax. But the Sabbath is time in God's presence. It's time to spend with Him. And I believe that, that technology can get in the way. I believe that technology can 
often be a distraction. So I encourage you on Sabbath to uh, say no to email, social media, and technology. I think um, number six is also very important. Earlier, just out of curiosity, by show of hands, I asked how many first thing in the morning, we we won't ask for hands this time, but how many uh, first thing in the morning, your phone's right on the bed, you check it, right? Maybe even you see how many notifications you have. Um, and maybe you check an email, maybe you don't. Um, but it's, it's easy to do. There's so much going on, right? And, and I think that God is calling us uh, to put him first, especially in the morning. Um, check out uh, Matthew 6.33. This is a familiar verse to a lot of us, but uh, let's go ahead and turn there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The Bible reads this. It says, but seek second the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right? Okay, okay. But seek third? Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Make God paramount. Make God a priority. Number one. First thing you do, and when you wake up, drop to your knee and say, Jesus, today's your day. I want to give it to you. God, I'm yours. Spend time in his word. And I think that we really, when it comes to, I keep on needing my phone as an illustration, when it comes to these two things, you know, if it takes putting your phone, if you want to plug it in on the opposite side of your room, do it. You know, right now next to your bed. If you want to uh, charge it at night in another room, do it. You know, put your Bible there just as a reminder instead. Oh, yeah, you know, I want to spend time here. Because, man, God is so good. Young people, I can tell you one thing as a young 27-year-old who doesn't know that much. I'll tell you this. I know that I love Jesus. And he's changed my life for the better. Uh, and, and what a privilege it is for my wife and I to know a God that loves us and cares for us. And he loves you guys so much. And that's what this, this whole seminar is about. Is, is saying, you know what, I don't want technology to get in the way of my, my walk with God. I want to put him first in all things. And then lastly, uh, the seventh principle for how to become good stewards of technology is use technology for good and for God. Um, I, I should say for God. That's, I had both in there. Use technology for God. And let's look at a verse first before I talk about that for a moment. Uh, Colossians 3.23. Let's uh, turn there quickly. Colossians 3.23. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it how? Heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do, do it as if you're working for God. And I think this is so important that technology can be used for God. Praise God for that. I mean, it's phenomenal. There are people that have never heard about Adventism, that have never heard about Jesus because of technology. There's our, there are people, uh, I love, one of my favorite organizations is AWR, Adventist World Radio, 
uh, because there's ways for those radio signals to go into areas that no one could ever reach. That's through technology. Now, there are people here in North America that tune into the TV and they happen to come across Doug Batchelor. I was just talking to um, a Bible worker that's working with Anil Condal up in Central California, and she's doing work in, uh, in that area, planting a church. And she was mentioning that, uh, and, and they're doing a lot of health ministries, and she mentioned in that process she met a, a Baptist pastor in the community. Um, a Baptist pastor in the community, and uh, I think it was actually door-to-door, and one of their first questions, hey, have you ever heard of Seventh-day Adventists? You know, what do you think of that? And it's like, yeah, you know, I, think, I think I have. Don't you guys have that one guy that, that's bald that preaches? Uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Doug, oh, Doug Batcher. Yeah, amazing facts. And he says, you know what? He says, you guys have the Sabbath right. First thing he says, Baptist pastor, you, you guys have Saturday right. Hey, you know what? If you guys ever in this town held one of those things that bachelor hold, one of those, what, oh, prophecy seminar. You ever hold one of those? I'll be there. Baptist pastor who said that, right? And technology, because of that guy was watching Doug Batcher on his television in his home, there's, there's things that we can do, right? Young people uh, on, on, on Facebook, I encourage you, post Bible verses. Post spirit of prophecy quotes. Don't be ashamed of, of your faith, um, we can use technology for good. Right, we can text our friends when they're discouraged and say, hey, I'm praying for you. Text, it really is a powerful thing. Have you guys ever gotten an encouraging text from someone saying, hey, you know what? I'm thinking about you today. Um, man, what a blessing. Um, we can use these for good, and we can use them for God. And remember that that's what this is. This is a tool for God's honor and glory. This is a tool to use to uplift and glorify him, and only that. And if he becomes something else, then take a step back and say, God, is this not a tool for you? God, am I using this to honor myself? God, am I using this to entertain myself? God, am I using this, and is it distracting me from you? Those are the questions that you need to ask yourself um, between you and God and say, God, how how am I using this? I showed this last time, um, but for those that didn't see it, it's a picture of... A child somewhere doesn't have a leg sitting in a hospital bed with all these thumbs around surrounding the child and it says liking isn't helping. Wow. We go on Facebook and we see a picture of a kid who has cancer and we like it. And we're like, oh, it's going to come up on my home feed and we pat ourselves on the back. Yes. I'm, a, I'm an activist. But really, as maybe you've heard this term before, you're a clicktivist. You know, all you do is click like. Click like, yeah, I'm doing my good deeds for the day. You know, I, I'm aware of all of these, these problems in our world, but we're not doing anything about them. And that's the issue. Yeah, we can, we can like the Amazing Facts, you know, uh, home page. Hey, I did a good thing. When people come onto my Facebook page, they actually see Amazing Facts, you know. That, that could be potentially embarrassing, but I'm a believer in God, you know. But hey, but let's do more than that. Let's go and start Evangelistic Series. Let's, let's do things for God. Let's use technology for God. I want to end our time with this story in Scripture. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42, because I think this encompasses well what we've been talking about. Luke chapter 10. Jesus had friends. Amen? Jesus needed human beings. He was fully God, but he was fully human. 
And some of his best friends in the world were Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Loved hanging out with them. Loved going to their home. You know those people that when you walk in, you just feel comfortable. You know, uh, you, just the way that their home is set up, you feel relaxed. They said, hey, our fridge is your fridge. You know, you go in, you can eat with their food. Uh, that's how Jesus would have felt in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. So he goes into this home, and we know the story well. Verse uh, 38, verse 30 of chapter 10, Luke, it says, Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. Martha, Jesus is coming. She says, oh man, we got to get ready. Rushes back into the house, puts the, you know, uh, starts chopping the vegetables for the soup, you know, puts it on the stove, and she's chopping up the bread and making sure that's ready, you know. She's putting the, you know, the casserole in the oven and the veggie meat out of the freezer, you know, whatever avenue meal you want to use. Um, but, but she's getting ready for Jesus. Vacuuming, you got to make sure, you know, Jesus is coming. Oh no, he's here. But then, what is Mary doing? We, I mean, this is a familiar story that we've all heard, but notice verse, verse 39. It says, and she had a sister called Mary who did what? sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I've said that before. Mom, my brother's not cleaning the toilet. You told him to, right? When I was kids, we had Sabbath chores. We've said that before. Hey, they're not helping. Come on. But notice what Jesus says, verse 41. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. I love that Jesus uses her name twice. He obviously cares about Martha. Martha's not a bad person. Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. You know what Mrs. White says? She says we need Martha's. This is not a diss against Martha. We need Martha's, right? We all got to be Martha's. We have to be working. We have to be using our talents for God's glory. We have to uh, be using technology for good. We have to go, go, go. Jesus is coming soon. But at the same time, the only place that we're going to be able to find the energy it takes to go, the only place that we're going to find the words that it's going to take to tell the person about Jesus is at his feet. I love what Mrs. White says here. She says, if today we would take time to go to Jesus and tell him our needs, we would not be disappointed. He would be at our right hand to help us. We need more simplicity, more trust and confidence in our Savior. He whose name is called the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, he of whom it is written, the government shall be on his shoulder, is the Wonderful Counselor. We are invited to ask wisdom of him. And young people, that's what Jesus wants. He wants time with you. And if you want to know the best way to manage and be a good steward of technology, is spend time with Jesus. It really is. I found in my own life the best way to not have my iPhone become a distraction, to not have technology become a distraction, is become so caught up in God, to become so enthralled in who God is and what he's doing, to spend so much time reading scripture and prayer, that you know what? That's not a temptation. I love what she also says here. Many, even in their seasons of devotion, fail of receiving the blessing of real communion with God. 
They are in too great haste. With hurried steps, they press for the circle of Christ's loving presence, pausing perhaps a moment within the sacred precincts, but not waiting for counsel. They have no time to remain with the divine teacher. With their burdens, they return to their work. Convicting quote. My friends, what we need more of is time in Christ's presence. And I can't end these uh, two seminars without a, a simple appeal. It's time to go. It's 10.50. But I, but I need to end with this appeal. Not as this. If, if technology is, is something that you say, you know what, I need less of that and I need more of Jesus. If you said, you know what, I need less screen time and I need more scripture time. If you say, you know what, I need, I need a whole lot less time in Facebook and a more lot of my face in his book, right? You've heard that before. We need more. If that is your desire, you say, you know what, I need that in my life. I want you to stand to your feet. If that's something that you say, you know what, I, I need. I want more God. I want less technology. I want more Jesus. And I want less internet computer. Amen. Praise God for those decisions. I encourage you this conference to spend less time on your phone and more time in the Word. The rest of the conference, we have a full day ahead of us. Tomorrow we get to do outreach, Sabbath, hear more sermons, and use it as a time to spend time with Jesus. We can listen to sermons, but if we're not hanging out with Him back in our hotel room, it's not going to make as much of an impact. So let's go ahead and bow our heads for prayer. Father, You see all these people that are standing and God, you see hearts that are saying, we want you. God, we need you. And God, we want to collectively apologize for letting technology get in the way of people. God, I know personally that I have let at times technology get in the way of listening to you. Get in the way, Lord, of doing your will and following your bidding. And God, collectively, we want to repent. And God, we want to say we want to stand for you. And we want to be good stewards and managers of what you've given us. We want to use it as a tool. But Lord, we need your help. We're powerless to do it on our own. And so, Lord, we love you. We know that only through you, And through your power and through your strength, it's not by our might or power, but by your spirit. So we commit ourselves to you. And all of God's people said, Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 conference at The Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.